Art of the Kickstart, episode 66. Welcome to the Art of the Kickstart.com, where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness. Inventors are innovating, creating the products of the future, and backers stand strong for what they believe. These are some of the great thinkers, inventors, and leaders of our time. Here are their stories. Guys, one of the questions that I've been getting a ton from listeners is how do I know if my Kickstarter campaign is absolutely ready to launch? It's ready to dominate. So you know what? I created a 23-step success guide based off the 80 inventor interviews consulting that I've done. This will take you step-by-step through launching your Kickstarter campaign, making sure you have everything that you need to make it happen. Artofthekickstart.com slash checklist to get our 23-step guide to making sure you're ready to kill it on Kickstarter. Check it out, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to Art of the Kickstart. Today, I've got a pretty cool show for you planned with James Moore, one of the founders of Zestdesk, the company that's getting you off your, we'll say it, getting you off your ass, standing up, building a business, living your life the way you were meant to be, working at a computer, not just sitting there. Thank you so much for coming today, James, and what you guys are doing. It's changing people's lives. Thank you. So, James, we kick these interviews off with a life quote, a success quote. You got anything good? Well, there's one, there's one quote that I use all the time and I use quite often when I'm talking to my wife and she's getting stressed out about certain things. And that's, uh, it's a really simple one. It's just control the controllables. I think we spend a lot of our time as human beings in the modern world trying to control things that are outside of our control, really. And, and it's just wasted time and effort. So control the controllables and enjoy the rest of the rest of the ride, I guess. That is such a great way to look at life. You can only control so much. Do what you can. And you guys are doing this. We talked a little before the program. You said you were involved in startups before Zestdesk. That's kind of how you got involved. This was your dad's brainchild. Take us back to you before Zestdesk. What were you doing? Give us a little background. Okay. So I was in corporate and really not liking being in corporate. So I was working in media in in. Uh, specifically, and I was working for one of the big media companies here in Australia. And basically, I was there for six years, and I'd come up with a couple of other startups, which I was working in my spare time to try to get me out of corporate. One was an app for pre-ordering coffee and food at at cafes. And another one was sort of secondary ticketing, which hasn't been done in Australia, similar to StubHub in the States. So we got a fair way with both of those products. We actually launched them and took them to market, but for varying reasons, they both failed. And I kept on finding myself back working in the cubicle with the nine to five. Up until my father actually came up with this business idea, which I can take you through, but essentially that happened two years ago. And was sort of been, I left corporate and been doing some sort of consulting work and doing this on the side for the last pretty much two years. I can completely feel you. You've got to get out of corporate as fast as you can. Anybody who listen to this, they all know the feeling. It's terrible, especially yes. because you're sitting at your desk hunched over all the time. Yes. I see it all the time. The posture is absolutely terrible. Let's take us sure. through the story. So your dad's a doctor. Where did Zestdesk yep. come from? Okay, so my, my father, probably about 25 years ago, he hurt his back. He was lifting, he was lifting a log, actually, and hurt his back. Um, he was hauled up in hospital for months on end. Anyway, went back to working and sitting was extremely painful for him. So through trial and error, he worked out that the only way that he was going to be able to live a semi-normal life without back pain was to 
stand and work. So what he did was he got his desk in his surgery and put some cinder blocks under it. And about 20, 21 years, that was great. That worked perfectly. A little awkward for patients and a little awkward for most people because this is well before standing and working became trendy. And then four years ago, he started working in northern Australia in Indigenous health in really remote parts of the country. And he was sharing surgeries with other doctors. So he needed a, a flexible, portable standing solution. Couldn't find anything, looked everywhere, and then decided to build something for himself. And that took that went for about two years. And so I sort of got involved two years ago and, and basically went on a weird sort of and wonderful tangent, basically building a product which was all about function and looked pretty crappy. So I got involved two years ago and sort of said, well, you know, I'm really keen to get involved because I do see, you know, the... There were people starting to stand and work. I was starting to hear more about sitting as the new smoking. And basically, I decided to get involved on the one proviso that we got a new designer and we took it down a different route to make it look great as well as being really functional because if it's in an office environment, people are putting their very expensive technology on it and they're literally standing out. So they're already putting themselves out there. They need to have be using something that they're proud of and that that you know people won't think they've got a problem it's more like hey what do you know that i don't know so that 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 was the last two years and yeah we've just launched so it's going going pretty well so far that is absolutely crazy so this is a 30-year story in the making (laughs) your dad was a hipster and an early adopter before the terms even applied he was not doing this because of lifestyle design he was doing this because he literally had to and you you get to this you start building it and he does what any inventor does. The ones that aren't designers, you just kind of make yep. something and it just kind of, it's the ugliest thing ever, but it gets the job done. That's what I was doing. I was trying to build this exact same idea in my garage. It looked like absolute garbage. When you came in, you decided, no, you know what? If we want to sell this to people, we're going to have to make it look sexy. People need to work at this and look like they're actual professionals. How do you go about changing your dad's point of view especially as the dad and you're coming into the business take us through those dynamics a little oh extremely painful because he'd spent a huge amount of money on this to this day and obviously spent a lot of emotional a lot of emotion had gone into this product to, to date so he really a slow process and sort of really not not putting my opinion forward but getting opinions from other people and collecting that and just continually coming back to the same point and slowly getting him around to it. And eventually he came around to it, but me trying to push it on him. It was me taking him to meetings and taking him out to people and really getting him to show and demonstrate this product and hear the feedback from other people. That's kind of where the penny slowly dropped. Eventually he came around and said, yes, okay, I agree with you. We need to change the design. It's the only way to convince anyone of anything. They need to realize it for themselves. But at the same time, the show can be a little I told you so for your dad. So you, <laughs> you've raised over 35,000 Aussie dollars. I yes. got the feeling that's about 50,000 US, though I can't remember the conversion off the top of my head. You've been running this Kickstarter campaign. You're the man behind the campaign. Take us through what you've done to run this. What some of the challenges you've been? What have you learned? Yeah, 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 for sure. I'll also tell you a few things I would have done differently now in hindsight as well. So I guess what we did was we built a database of interested users up and we've been we did that over the previous 12 months and I guess one of the key ways we did that was we took the prototypes out to potential customers 
And so we were talking to everyone from retailers through to health professionals, whether it be occupational therapists, physios, chiropractors, everyone along the food chain that we knew were important to a consumer making a decision about whether to buy this product or not. And we sort of took their feedback the whole way through and sort of made amendments to the product design. But we also, through that process, we built up a database. So we probably, it wasn't a huge database by any means. We probably had about 700 people, 600, 700 people who knew a fair bit about the product and who were pretty interested. So that really helped us launch with a bit of momentum. So what we did was on launch day, which I think we did really well, was we did a red hot deal. You know, it was about 50% off what we think the retail price would be. And we limited it to 30 And that sold out within six hours. And that actually coincided, that total amount of 30 products being sold coincided with the total amount that we we needed to to raise really for us to have confidence in going to the next phase. So that worked really well. I think we completely nailed that. The PR side of things, I think we could have done better. So I I had no experience in PR at all and I kind of underestimated. And what I would have done better if I did it again would be to have a couple of bloggers lined up to, to basically cover us on launch day. And I tried to do it, but I didn't try hard enough and just got a bit hard and I sort of gave up. But I would try significantly harder to get them lined up to go live on launch day. I would also submit to a few design sites. So if anyone's got a design product, I would submit it to sites like Design Boom, a couple of others that don't come to my head at the moment. But essentially, those guys want to be the first to cover stories. And essentially, if you can get written up by those, those particular um, bloggers, that then gets syndicated out across a whole heap of other smaller blogs. And if you don't get on the bigger one, you don't get on the smaller ones. So I would do that differently if I had my time again. And, but overall, you know, pretty successful. Unfortunately, it's not 50,000 US, probably more like 25,000 US, given the extra, probably more like 30,000 US dollars that we've raised given the exchange rate. I think the other thing as well, being in Australia, I think it's been a bit harder to get US sales. I think because of the, the dollar, you know, there's a perceived, there's some friction there when someone in the US goes onto the site and it's in Australian dollars. They're not used to seeing that. So I might think about doing, you know, basically trying to set it up in the US for people not in the US if that's a big market for them. I don't exactly know what impact that's had, but I just suspect that's, that's sort of had a reasonable impact on our success. Yeah, I was interviewing another founder and he was from Sweden and he had the same yeah. thoughts. His, I, he was mm. the only one that I'd seen actually take the concept and push it all the way. But he built a U.S. subsidiary just to be able to do it in U.S. dollars and so people wouldn't think about the extra international shipping costs. It's something to definitely consider if you're yeah. not U.S. based. Okay, so my question for you, I put a lot of research into Standing Desk because I was this was one of the two product ideas I had that I really wanted to build. What's wrong with traditional standing desks that you guys deal with? The turtleneck syndrome. Talk about that a little bit and how you went about improving traditional standing desks that people use. So traditional standing desks, you know, they're fine if you've got over $1,000 to spend. You work in the same location and, you know, it fits in with your existing furniture. The reality is that most of us, these days, change works locations from time to time. So that might be if you work in an office, you may change desks every month or two because projects change, you know, they reconfigure offices. You may hot desk, you may work from home, or you may work on the go. In all of those situations, a traditional 
standing desk won't work because it's stationary and it's fixed. The other part of it is obviously the cost. So most of them cost over $1,000 and are really expensive to ship out and install. They also can look really weird if you've got an existing setup already and you're putting in one of these really fixed standing desks which tend to all look the same and have the same sort of size. So it doesn't give you a lot of flexibility. So the problem we were really looking to solve was A, a product for people who move around from time to time, B, a product where you didn't actually need to throw out your existing desk. And I guess the third point was we wanted something adjustable and something that actually had a a monitor stand built into it. So on one end, those are the reasons why traditional standing desks aren't great. On the other end, the other end of the scale, you know, people who use cardboard boxes on desks, which a lot of people do, people who use IKEA hacks, they're fine, but if you use them for a while, you get a sore neck because you next you're looking down at the screen all day. So we wanted to have a built-in monitor stand that was adjustable so that you could have a perfect ergonomic position. So they were the they were the two angles we were coming from. The the expensive sit stand angle, which was not flexible, and then the cheaper sort of stand angle which sort of ruins your neck if you use it for too long and so we wanted something bang in the middle and i think you know we did it absolutely that's what i was bringing up that adjustable part most of the standing desks i've worked at i'm a tall guy i'm staring straight down i imagine that's not super great it's a little better than sitting but what can you do and last question before we jump into the launch round so you're doing this you've clearly funded what happens next for you guys so next is you know, we think there's a massive opportunity out there in this space. I mean, I think you fast forward five years into the future, you go to any business in, um, you know, the Western world, you'll see 20, 30% of people standing and working. So we want to really take this and make this, you know, make this business uh, fly. And so what we're really focused on is being the best at what we can at the portable standing solution space. So We've already got our second product ready to go, so we'll, we'll probably launch that sometime next year. We'll also, you know, we've already got our website up and running, so we need to get that sort of start promoting that following Kickstarter. Um, we obviously need to deliver on all the Kickstarter orders. Got the, we're working through the factories at the moment. We've already got one lined up, so we're all set to go on that front. So, yeah, it's, it's really just getting current orders out, getting our e-commerce set up all up and running and then obviously focusing on our, our next line of products. And so we think, you know, we can build a real business out of this. So you're going to be killing the coffee over the next couple of months. That's what it sounds like. No rest. <laughs> Pretty La- much. Launching a new Kickstarter campaign. Is that the plan? Well, after we get through this one, I think with Kickstarter rules, you need to completely fulfill the first Kickstarter campaign before you can do another one. So... I'm pretty sure that's it. And I'll probably need to talk to my wife about that because I've been a bit tired and cranky. So she'll need to be happy with me to do do another one as well. Absolutely. But running that second campaign will help so much because you've already got all the backers. You should be able to take it to the next level. But I want to jump into the launch round now. How's that sound, James? Sounds great. Welcome to the launch round, where we take our guests through a series of rapid fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. So first question for you, James. You've run a bunch of different startups. What's it take to be a successful founder? Perseverance, I think. You're continually getting knocked back. You're continually having people question your idea, putting your idea down. It's just having the, um, the ability and a thick skin, I guess, to get through that and keep pursuing it and just having that drive. And I think the thing that really helps is having a product or a problem 
that you want to solve that you're really passionate about. So, James, next question for you. You brought up what it takes to be a successful founder, inventor, business builder. Who are some that you've looked up to throughout your life, people you'd want to meet with? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, Richard Branson, obviously, you know, what he's done with all of his businesses is just amazing. You know, I've read all his books, and I think, you know, what he's done really well is he's created brands that are really true to his personal brand. And you can see that. And he's managed to build these massive companies that actually live his brand, which I think is ridiculous. Someone else who I read a bit a bit about is Tim Ferriss. You know, once again, he's an author, but there's so many authors, so many people who launch books, but he's somehow managed to rise above that and has built an amazing brand that he can keep now leveraging off and just building and building and building on that. Um, and I think he's done it in a really short amount of time. So they're two guys that come to mind. Yeah, they've both done amazing jobs taking those skills and building absolute empires. So next question for you. Let's make it a little bit tougher, a little more challenging. Let's say you could meet anyone throughout history, someone, a designer, an inventor. Who would you want to meet with and what would you discuss? How would you have them help you on Zestdesk? Yeah, okay. So so someone, I'm actually reaching out to um, Pilates uh, clubs or organizations at the moment because i've seen a correlation between people who do pilates and people who want to stand and work pretty random but the guy who invented pilates was this guy called joseph pilates who i'm just finding out about and he he was an amazing visionary and he, he came up with all the um the different instruments that they use in pilates and basically this thing has just taken on legs since he passed on and it's i think there's fourteen thousand instructors in the u.s alone and they're still using these five different products that he invented all those years ago. So somehow they've lasted the test of time. So my question would be to him, how do you create products that aren't just relevant to today, but are also relevant into the future? You know, what is that insight? So I'd probably want to, you know, tap his brain. He would be an absolutely amazing person to talk to. No one's brought him up yet, but that is really interesting. Mm. Next question. So you're doing this. You're essentially living and building a business around the new lifestyle design that a lot of people are living. Where do you see this movement going of standing desks, of working in new locations? What do you see happening in the next five, 10 years? It's just going to take off. I mean, the reality is, if you really think about it, humans were never built to sit for eight hours a day. Like it's only been in the last 120 years that we've started sitting for, you know, extended hours a day. If you look, I think they looked at eight, like in the late 1800s, the average human was in the West was standing for 90% of the day. Now we sit for almost 90% of the day. So that's a huge change in a tiny amount of time. And we can't expect such a drastic change to not have effects on our body. So I think what's happening is that with more science and more research, people are realizing how bad sitting is for our body and all sorts of things shut off in our system when we're not moving. Because our system has evolved, our body has evolved to optimize itself to movement. So I think I think the future will involve all number of different products to allow us to be mobile and work at the same time. And I think we're literally just at the tip of the iceberg. So if I look at standing desks in particular, I think the market's going to completely fragment beyond what we can contemplate today. And I think there's going to be standing solutions for all number of different you know, use cases, whether you use two screens and you're a developer to whether you're a, you know, you're a mobile entrepreneur working from Thailand on a laptop. You know, I think there'll be all sorts of products for everyone. And, you know, it's only going to get more, 
weird and wonderful as we as we go over the next few years. That mobile entrepreneur in Thailand's getting all sorts of crazy noises around him. I guess that's what happens in the jungle. My last question for you in the launch round, James. Have there been any business books, life books that have been really influential on you, your life, and how you've gotten to this point you'd want to share? So I think for me, probably the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I'm sure most of your listeners would be familiar with that, but that was a real catalyst to get me out of the cubicle. It sort of highlighted a lot of things I was feeling and thinking and sort of set a plan in place for how to get out of the cubicle. And I think that the next book that I probably read after that, which was really influential, was um, Eric Reese's The Lean Startup, which once again, I know, you know, most people have probably read um, who are in the startup scene, but that really gave me a framework to start testing ideas. And that was really huge in helping us minimize our risk and help us produce a product that, we took to, that we've taken to market that people actually want. So I think those two books in recent years are probably the two biggest influences. Yeah, those ones that hit it big, they hit it big for a reason. They did something right. Yes. And you guys did something right with your Kickstarter campaign. You've talked about what you would do differently. You've talked about the fact mm. that you have a new campaign coming. You guys are building a business around this. My question for you mm-hmm. now, we're going to start to wrap it up. One last piece of advice for inventors, entrepreneurs, people out there. If you could just share one thing with them for people that want to change the world, make amazing products, or have crowdfunding success, what would you tell them? I'd tell them, focus on something that you can get passionate about. I've started businesses where I wasn't so passionate about the idea. And when you're up late, you're stressed, you're tired having to work on an idea, it makes it so much easier if you're passionate about it. And also, you know, when you get all feedback from people and quite often it is negative, if you really are passionate about it and you believe in that idea and you are the potential user of that product, the fact you know that is going to help you drive through all that negativity and actually create something worthwhile that you want to bring into the world. So I would say find your passion, find out something that you want to see in the world. And I think if you start from there, you're heading in the right direction. You hear it all the time where people say, build a business, don't follow your passion. But then you hear the exact opposite, follow your passion. There's these two schools of thought. And I think you have to combine the two. You've got to have passion in what you're doing if you want to go after it. Otherwise, you're just not going to have your heart in it. It seems like you guys got your heart in what you're doing here, your dad's idea, you joined the company, you guys are building something to help people. I want you to share Zestdesk now. Give a little pitch for your campaign. Where can people find you? Why should they check you out? And why should they get off their butts to start doing something? Yeah, so... I guess first thing is if you haven't heard or haven't, you know, have no understanding on why you would stand, just Google sitting is the new smoking and that will bring up pages of research on why sitting is bad for you. So start there. Next thing is if you're a person who changes work location from time to time or doesn't want to throw out your existing desk, then I think Zestdesk is a great solution for you because essentially in 30 seconds you can turn any table into a standing desk. The other good thing about Zestdesk is that, you know, we have that adjust. The whole thing is adjustable and we have an adjustable monitor stand. So if you are serious about standing and you're going to be standing for more than 30 minutes a day, then I think it's a really good solution because you can find your perfect ergonomic position. So you can find us at Zestdesk.com or obviously on Kickstarter, you just search for Zestdesk and um, we've got a number of packages there. If you're in the States to buy the product that starts at 260 which is oh, it's about a 45% discount, I think, on what we're going to retail for. And I guess that's us. I can't remember what else you asked, but 
that's sort of the pitch. Yeah, you more or less nailed it. Guys, check it out. I mean, you spend money on getting fancy shoes to make sure your posture is good. Do something a little bit more important. You're working, well, I don't know how much you guys are working, but I'm guessing you're working a ton. If you're listening to this, you're trying to build a business, probably on the side. That means you're hunched over way too often. Check out ZestDesk, or at the very least, share the campaign. Say thanks to James for what he's doing. Thank you so much for coming on today, James. You've been an awesome, awesome guest. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. No worries. Thank you, Matt. Hey, guys. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Art of the Kickstart, where we believe inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. If you liked the ideas in this episode, or you're interested in learning more about crowdfunding and how to kill it with your own Kickstarter campaign, you can check out more at artofthekickstart.com. And if you've been listening to the show, love the episodes, but you're not subscribed, that's got to change. You can go to artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher and get the episodes delivered magically to your phone. And if you like the show, I would love you forever if you leave a review on iTunes. It helps more aspiring inventors and creators out there find the show and find the information they need to kill it on Kickstarter. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, guys, and have an absolutely epic day.